You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. When she was six, he had her put on a life jacket for cushion, told her not to touch the hot ejected casings, and started her on a bolt-action Ruger 22, sitting at the kitchen table and bracing the gun on a rolled-up towel. Grandpa must have heard the shots on his way back from the liquor store because he came in wearing jeans and a terry cloth bathrobe, and leather slippers with little leather tassels, and he stood in the doorway and said, God damn it, Marty. Daddy was sitting in a chair beside Turtle, reading Hume's An Inquiry Concerning the Principles of Morals. And he turned the book upside down on his thigh to keep his place and said, Go to your room, Kibble, and Turtle walked creakingly up the stairs, unrailed and without risers, plank treads cut from a redwood burl. Old growth stringers cracked and torqued with their poor curing, their twisting drawing the nails from the treads, exposed and strained almost to shearing the men silent below her. Grandpa watching, Martin touching the gilt littering on the spine of his book with the pad of his forefinger. Gabriel Talent was born in New Mexico and raised on the Mendocino coast by two mothers. He received his BA from Willamette University in 2010 and after graduation spent two seasons leading youth trail crews into the backcountry of the Pacific Northwest. His new novel is My Absolute Darling. Thank you for joining me, Gabriel. It's my pleasure to be here. Who knew that Mendocino County was the new Appalachia? <laughs> I, I, as I read this book, between your lush descriptions of the woods and the backwoods-style characters that we encounter here, at least at first, I had to keep reminding myself, and, I, and your prose kept reminding me, that we're in Northern California, not Appalachia. But that's an interesting archetype that you explore, I think. That's interesting. I I don't know much about Appalachia. Uh, uh, Mendocino is a place that is very sociologically complex, and it it certainly does have an element of of there are many people there who are idealists who've gone there from um, oftentimes with with quite good educations and and are making a living there a very counterculture living, and who are intoxicated by ideas. So. You have a lot of highly literate folks living out in this very rural place um, where the lines of culture are, are, are very messy and I, I think hard for some folks elsewhere in the nation to parse. Um, so I, I sometimes resist it because there isn't the division between backwoods people and city people as is the trope I'm familiar with with Appalachia. Mm-hmm. Rather there is a general culture of of ideas and and back to the land movements not not stratified by education or wealth but um marking i don't know something else some other more hard to pin down uh discriminant i think that uh this novel is so wonderful it's almost like a stage play in some ways. We have a, a, a relatively small cast. We have uh, Martin uh, and his his daughter, who calls who, who calls herself sometimes Turtle. Her name is Julia. He calls her Kibble. Tell us about 
creating these two characters. Martin is probably one of the most horrific monsters I have ever met in the, on the pages of a book. So in writing about Turtle, I very much wanted to write about the soul in conflict with itself, the heart in conflict with itself. I've always been interested in narrating the technologies and the strategies and the ways we fight to be our best selves in the face of adversity. And that's a story that I that I wanted to tell. That's a, the book I would like to have been able to put into the hands of my youth. Um, it's a story that that interests me. And I think I think the abuse serves to the abuse has the effect of of dividing Turtle this way. It divides her her love for her father, the most important person in her life, and her desire to be more than he imagines her to be. This is a, a, a novel. There are a lot of guns in this book. <laughs> Uh, tell us about uh, researching guns. Yeah, I'm. Not, do you, are you a, a shooter? I am not sure if I am a shooter. So um, I knew that I wanted there to be guns in the book, and I started that writing. And I think I think many of us imagine ourselves to have a sort of to be conversant in 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 guns and their uses because they're so prevalent in culture. But what I found out is that I, I was under a lot of misapprehensions, and many of the people I went to for advice were under misapprehensions, and so there was nothing for it but to to buy the guns, go out shoot them myself, and try and get good, and and in that process of learning, um, try and write about them accurately. Wow. Well, that's why it feels that way. I mean, when, when I read this book and uh, Turtle, is, she's a 14-year-old girl. She's living with her father, Martin, in the backwoods uh, of Mendocino above a real place, Buckhorn Bay, right? This is, all these places are real. They're, they're somewhat real. You know, I've, I've, I've muddied the geography. I sort of have a, <laughs> have a muddy childhood memories of, of places that were often misnamed. Um, to me, you know, the, the names that I grew up with don't correspond to the names on, on contemporary maps. And um, so the names for me were so important that I couldn't give them up, but they no longer quite correspond to real places. There, there, are, there are Buckhorn Bays in California. There are Slaughterhouse Creeks. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't relinquish that, but these no longer have actual one-to-one correspondences with real bays or real creeks. Uh, well, that's really interesting because the, the whole, your hold on the landscape is so firm and the writing is so lush. Did you practice uh, nature writing? I mean, this, you could, if you needed the plot from this book, you'd have a, a great book on the plant life and the animal life of the Mendocino County. <laughs> Yeah, I felt passionately about nature writing. You know, when I was uh, in college, I was introduced by a very important professor to a book called The Seasons by James Thompson. And it's a long 18th century poem that is just expansive descriptions of the countryside. And it filled me with longing to, to, to have those books today and, to, and, and the longing that they would have that kind of cultural importance that our imaginations and our souls could be could be captivated by a passionate relationship to landscape and so and so i 
I, I tried to pour that love and that ambition into the book. Wow. Well, it, it shows. And I think that uh, the landscape and the, the setting is really, in a sense, a character in this book. And as a character, how would you describe the traits of this place? I mean, if we take where Turtle lives to be a character, and it pretty much is, uh, who is this character? Yeah, something that's interesting about that is that this is a book, at least in part, about taking care, about paying attention to other people. That's important to me. It was important to me writing this book. And when I was thinking about nature, and I was thinking about the character's relationship to nature, I thought a lot about the way in which the landscape, for many of us, disappears and becomes a sort of stage on which we play out our human dramas. Now, um, one of the things that interests me about this book, Martin is a fascinating character, and I'm always interested in the evolution of the monster in literature. When we start out, say, with Frankenstein's creation by Mary Shelley, we have a very articulate monster. It can talk, and it has it wants things. It knows what it wants. Um, more of late, we've been treated to monsters that are more along the lines of Jaws, that are just eating machines. Or on the other side of the equation, we might have the elegant psychopaths of the ten thousand books that tried to cash in on Silence of the Lambs. Martin is not a psychopath, not exactly, <laughs> but he's also, one of the things that I found very interesting in this book, you have a lot of characters who have screeds, particularly Martin, he'll at various points in the book just launch off into a long screed, and a lot of that stuff, I have to say, I can kind of hang with, and that's really scary for me <laughs> as a reader to think, wow, I agree with this guy, who is the most horrible human being I've ever encountered on the printed page. Yeah, I think that a difficult thing for Turtle is that she also sees him at his best and holds out hope for that, right? Like, like, like mm -hmm. she sees the person that he could be. And we do need people like that. Like, part of Martin's tragedy, and Martin is a person trying to be more than his wounds, part of this tragedy is that, is, is, is that you could see the importance of such figures in, in the community. We need people who are bigger than our conventional narratives, who see past the noise. Like, we need people with that kind of vision and that kind of articulateness and who feel... Um, these contemporary problems with the urgency that he feels them. And, and I think Turtle feels uh, the loss of that, and I, I feel the loss of that. I, Turtle is such a fantastic character, and I think this is one of the interesting aspects of your book. In Martin, you create uh, an almost tireless and very scary monster. So to balance that, we, we have Turtle. And I think she's she's so inspiring, and the battle that she's constantly going on that's tearing her apart is trying to figure out where she fits in this world, who she is, can she get away, can she stay. Uh, as you were writing the prose for this, how much did you, um, how distant were you from T Turtle's character? How distant was I? I... Uh... I fought every day to 
observe her with integrity and compassion. I think that, I mean, many people tell me that Turtle is, is like, that Turtle is somehow beyond identification. They sort of say, how could you write this book? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and my responses to that is that I, I think sometimes the belief that such people are beyond our understanding has more to do with our desire to put them out of our minds than it, than it does w- with the actual limits of our compassion. But look, there's a real thing here, which is that when we imagine the plight of people who are, are in such serious circumstances, there's a knee-jerk withdrawal, I think. You think, I wouldn't be in that circumstance. And following from that is perhaps some little rationalizing. You explain the differences between the two. And we, I think we put a lot of work into that, which is, which is elaborating to ourselves in a self-comforting way the characteristics that separate us from people who are the victims of misfortune. And you had to sort of, I had to stop that irrational, self-comforting behavior and just be like, look, Turtle is a girl. She's a person like me. She is searching for the for the way forward through her life. And I sort of had to to accept the vulnerability and painfulness of that of that exercise. Uh, I think for me, it was interesting because I didn't twig immediately to how amazing a character Turtle was. At first we see her more, a little bit more dominated by her father, but as time goes by we see that she has, in a sense, taken some of his teachings and improved upon them, much to his dismay, eventually. Yeah, that's that's interesting that um, you would see it that way. I see it very similarly, which is that no person is a monolith, right? And mm-hmm. especially Martin is characterized by moments of clarity and right. by relapses. And I think that in his moments of clarity, he is very invested in preparing his daughter to resist. Like, look, he gives her a terrific education in, in resisting dominant cultural narratives. <laughs> right? He's exactly. like he's like he's like, be afraid of of like like people will lie to you. Um, he says, he says, like culture will tell you things and it's lying. He, he prepares her to resist the dominant figures in her life and, and provides her with the tools of resistance. And in his moments of clarity, he prepares, he prepares her to, to, to reckon with him. You know, um, they're, they're, Martin is a very self-sabotaging character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I one of the things I really liked about this, the it's a very Flannery O'Connor story, too. That's, I, of course, thought of that. And uh, I love uh, Daniel, the grandfather. <laughs> I think, you know, it's interesting because the book is so dire in many ways. What's happening is tragic and awful, yet there's a lot of humor in here. I think you did a, do a good job of keeping, of dealing with the darkest circumstances of the human soul in a manner that's uh, eminently readable, which is very difficult. I was very afraid, I myself have always found humor to be an excellent tool in dark circumstances and in hard circumstances and, and um involved in you know sort of 
I've I've always I've always found humor to be to be to be so useful and optimism also. I think optimism gets a kind of a, a hard rap, but it it has been to me of of tremendous utility. And I was very afraid to write those things because they're sort of not cool. Um, and people caution you against trying to be funny, and so it, it it was with the greatest reluctance that I did that. But I I felt like that's just how life is. Mm -hmm. I I felt like perhaps there is something more admirable aesthetically about keeping a uniformly somber and cool tone um but that's not i'm just sort of a a legible guy like i just i just wanted to have these 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 moments um well i think the levity it makes a it makes the the more dire parts more tolerable but it also it makes it more realistic and that that actually really matters in this book that you, as you read this, you believe that in these people. I I wanted every day that I wrote, wrote them with with attention and with the the integrity that that they deserve. So I'm 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 glad that it comes across that way to you. Now, um, I the book begins, and then we get part way into the book. And there's a scene that's going to like derail about, I'd say, maybe a quarter of the people who would pick up any book. <laughs> um, when you were writing about this subject and writing about abuse, um, did, your, did, did you get any um, feedback saying, you just can't write about this this way, this is too much? That's interesting. So um, I... I had a conversation with my editor before she bought the book, and I found that she was entirely on my team. She 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 wanted to work with me, and we wanted to work to make sure that the tone was correct, and mm -hmm. that I was that I was paying, that I was sort of giving each sentence its due, that I was that I was paying adequate attention to the characters in every moment, and we vetted it carefully for that, but but. She didn't want to soften this book. She mm -hmm. didn't want to take that out. Um, th that was not my experience. I My experience was that everyone at Riverhead got behind the book. Because that's what this book is, right? There are other books, perhaps, that mm -hmm. skirt these subjects. Um, and This looks at a cold straight in the eye. Well... Yeah, not cold because I wanted I wanted Turtle's dignity to, to be palpable, mm -hmm. and I feel sometimes when we skirt the subject, we leave people who have real questions about the subject, we leave them wondering or feeling alone, and so I I felt that there was virtue in shining a light into Turtle's mind at these moments to to. To help, to help someone feel less alone and to, to show the strategies and to show that even at her worst moments, Turtle has dignity and grace and is, is not culpable. Like even when she is most ashamed, I was not ashamed for her and I don't think she should be ashamed. And so I was, I was trying to write towards that and I was trying to do it courageously because I think that's what it demanded. But, but warmly you know I, I i've i've known people with hard lives and i 
I didn't want to take the hard parts out of this book because I didn't want to say, look, your life is too hard to write about. Hmm. Tell us about Daniel, then, the grandfather. I think he's an interesting character as well. He's, as I say, very out of very Flannery O'Connor, William Gayish to me. He's an interesting figure because that gives us the the intergenerational view. We know that he, in a sense, is responsible for Martin, and Martin is responsible for Turtle. So that yeah, that gives a, us a that gives us a I guess a yardstick to measure by that's a provocative question i really grappled with that you know so um i i did writing this book i I did a great deal of legwork i never knew how to i think other writers are have strategies and and ways to be efficient at this but I, i never knew how to do anything except through brute force of writing and so i did a lot of writing about martin and what i found is that i was best when i observed him acutely through turtle's eyes and because that's sort of what matters. Like, I, I think Martin is ultimately responsible for Martin. Like, yes, um, it, it's illuminating to know that there is a history of abuse. But I don't, I never, I don't think that we should let the abuse seem explained. I think that responsibility ultimately has to land on Martin. And I think... I think Martin would agree mm-hmm. with that. I think Martin would accept those terms. I but do you- too. But I think I, it's I, the grandfather too is an is an interesting character in terms of uh, uh, acting as I sent, I guess kind of a, a pressure valve for for Turtle. Absolutely, he works as a pressure valve, and I think he plays a very important role which is that he's dialectical with Martin. Like, it, 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 you can see at certain points where Martin is, is, is still loves and is very pained by his father's presence in his life. Mm-hmm. And um, you can see ways in which Martin's thinking is a rebellion against the way his father sees the world. And for Turtle, it has a sort of thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Like, like there's a way in which... Um, her grandfather is excellent counterpoint to her father's domineering and controlling way of seeing the world and he he he's one of the figures in her life that that helps open up the way she sees things and 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 provides other strategies like like martin you see as as giving her a very idealistic way of seeing the world Mm -hmm. right like martin is obsessed with types and and with meaningfulness and the grandfather is is very concerned with particularity and you can see turtle sort of employing both strategies in her mind and sounding them out and trying to to see what works for her and i think sometimes diversity and thinking like when we see a diversity in the way adults in our lives think about problems we realize that we don't have to emulate one person's way of thinking. We can try out different strategies. So that's an important role that her grandfather does. He provides a different way of thinking about the world. You were talking about Turtle's Mind. Did, did you um, interview or listen to interviews with abuse survivors? I am just going to, like, 
I'm just going to sidestep that question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I didn't do formal research. How about that? Okay. Um, Well, was this something in your life or can we do something that you experienced personally or? I, I, I was not, I was not, I was not abused. Okay. Um, and I, I was not abused and I'm not writing about a particular person who was abused. Um, I, I have had close friends and I've worked with youth who have grievous personal tragedies and being the person that I am, I have my own vantage point on on that. I think we all have people in our lives who have been terribly hurt. And because this culture is the culture that it is, I think we all have women in our lives who have been terribly hurt. And, um, and I, I felt that there were certain things that were true about that experience that are not often said. And I think that there are certain things that are true about that journey. And I wanted to put those true things in a book. And I felt that to do it with integrity, I couldn't model it off anyone. I had to write made up characters. I felt that if I, if I pursued something that had really happened, I would never be doing it justice. Mm. I had to be working with a system that I felt I understood. Um, you, you cast your shadows back to the platonic ideals and then <laughs> cast new shadows to write about. Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I, I had truths that I wanted to write about that were, that were gleaned from, 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 from my life and the people in it. And I created fictional events in order to showcase those truths. For me, as I read this book, and maybe this is just a... a coincidence of reading um i noticed a lot of kind of buddhist thought in this book and even the way that you speak now about people uh, there's a bit of that observer consciousness from buddhism Uh, is that something that informs your writing or your life that's interesting so um there is a ton of buddhism in the air in mendocino (laughs) and i i must have just soaked it up i think elizabeth so i have two mothers uh, I think Elizabeth has a very Buddhist way of looking at the world, and um, and we are often in conversation, and and she has been my best and strongest role model for looking at the world and speaking about the world compassionately and with integrity. So while I I, I that's not intentional on my part, I'm sure. That, that 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 is a sort of bank shot influence from from the mothers that makes perfect sense you know one of the the uh, as a reader what gets you really involved in this book is witnessing turtle's inner struggle and to see that and just you do such a great job of showing us the conflict she feels in the worst of situations and in the best of situations and what's nice is to see that conflict play out over the arc of the book. Did you have to, um, did you write the book front to back? And if so, did that, how did you create that kind of character arc for her, of, the, of her inner arguments with herself? 
I did it front to back and I did it many, many times. You know, I started each draft from the blank page and I read the last draft. I'd read my last draft and I would sort of hold on to the way it felt when I was getting Turtle right. And that, that was one way that I, that I created the character. Like I just started making stuff up and there was, a, there was a way it felt when I was making stuff up that was as difficult, as complicated, as nuanced as a real person is. And, and there, there, I pursued those moments and tried to, tried to, tried to find that note. And it's, it's almost impossible to explain. It's like, it's like sounding a tuning fork, you know, um, when you're, when I'm reading my own work or when I'm, when I'm writing for it, I sort of know it when I have it. Wow, that's fascinating. It's um, almost a, a painterly perspective. And I think that that actually comes across in the way you write as well. There's many beautiful pictures with words and also ugly and terrifying and, and wonderful pictures with words. That's one of the things that's interesting is the idea of building something beautiful by beautifully rendering the horrors of this world. I, yeah, um, I, I have been hearing that I am a very visual writer, and it is to some extent news to me. So this is... <laughs> well, there's, I can see why, because the book is so internalized. Ma yeah, many people ask me if, you know, if I, if I watch a lot of movies or something, and I, 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 I don't. Mm. Um, I guess that I love and fasten on to certain aesthetic details and I, it's that's that is sort of not an intentional effect i just wanted to render the reality in in, in an aesthetic and an interesting and a compelling and a real seeming way and 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 whatever else is the fallout from that attempt well i think too that uh, you mentioned real seeming, and that's really important in this book because there are all sorts of uh, blowbacks from somebody who's in a situation that turtles in. She's in school also, or supposed to be in school, and even in Mendocino where the, the rules are loose, there's going to be people who are wondering if she doesn't show up, why? And, and I think that you have a great, there's a, I guess, a pragmatism that runs through the book. She meets boys other characters arrive. I think that that pragmatism um, that informs the book also informs the characters as well, especially uh, Turtle, who's extremely pragmatic. Yeah, you know, um, when you're sort of down by the creek drinking beers, I telling stories with friends, I always loved those stories where someone tells you how they did a thing or how or when they walk you through their moment-to-moment -moment thinking when something awful unfolded. You know, just that, just that this strategy, then this strategy. Do you have any specific strategy. stories that you remember that informed this book? Yeah, absolutely, but they're not mine to tell. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I guess, they're, yeah. yeah they're, 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 they're in the custody of, of those dear friends. Um, and and I, I, I always admired that. You know, and you finish those stories, and you you learn something. And 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 there are there are times when when you learn something 
you learn something new. Like here's an example. So um, uh, one time when I was in when I was in Scotland, I got in like a little bit of a scrape, and I, I, my face was pretty cut up. And I'd meet people after that, and you know, I I, I sort of if if I had been guessing what the fiction like if I was writing fiction about how people responded, I never would have gotten here because what people did is they immediately told me why that would never happen to them. Like immediately <laughs> and compulsively <laughs> and mind-bogglingly just opened their mouths, like observed that I am cut up, asked some cursory question about what happened, and before I'm even halfway through what happened, they say amazing things like, like oh, well, you know... Um, that would never happen to me because I'm really tall and, and people are intimidated by, by tall men. <laughs> you know, or, 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 or what, you know, I'm just very watchful and, 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 and predators are, they can tell when you're an alert, watchful person. Um, and I, these, these ideas about why these people were protected from, from harm were, very engaging to me mm -hmm. and did it wasn't obedient to the normal rules of conversation <laughs> right like if you if you were generating that sh that story and you were basing it off of conversations that you'd had before mm -hmm. you'd never come up with that because it's a nonsensical thing to say to someone <laughs> right and and but it, it was it was constant and and um and i think that's because some other technology of mind some other processes at work there and um when stories have that i always valued that i thought i always thought that was good and and so i i wanted to to have that kind of careful attention to turtles strategies like this is how she was thinking about things you know and you mentioned stories and what interests me in this book and i just thought about this now when you said that is that for all the rich story that is inside this book, when we're reading it, I'm not thinking story. I'm just thinking turtle, Martin, oh my, forest, dark, wet, guns, 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 dark, wet, forest. For the reader, this, there's not that much guns in the book. There are. <laughs> there are some guns in the book, but it's not, it's not, it's not three passages. He's, well, they're, they're, he's hitting that hard. <laughs> There's lots of nature. There's lots of nature. Yeah, yes, I, yeah. and I'm wondering, and do some you spelling tests? <laughs> spelling tests. Yes. Do you uh, to to get all the names of all the plants and get them right? Is that something you just know from living in Mendocino, or is that something you go back to the books for and say, okay, I better polish this stuff up? I know a lot of it, mm -hmm. and the botanists that I corresponded with were invaluable to oh, me. Oh, I would imagine so, yes. Yeah, and, 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 and incredible. Um, and I am deeply indebted to their, their meticulous help. Um, grasses were the hardest thing for me. You know, I had a good grasp of a lot of other plants, but um, I'm really bad at two things. I'm really bad at grasses, and I'm really bad at bloom times. Mm, grasses what? are, of course, hard to identify. You know, it takes me... Yeah, I don't know, three or four hours to identify a grass using a dissecting microscope and a dichotomous key. So wow. the help of a botanist is, is, is immense. That's, that's pretty amazing. I didn't even know that there was such a thing as a dichotomous key to dissect grass with. <laughs> I guess this is color matching? 
Um, no, you know, so a lot of times it's it's based on like um, various characteristics of of the of of the grass, and you mm. go through it characteristic by characteristic. Like, does it have an on and doesn't it? Um, is it a you know a panicle or a spike? And and then it gets more and more particular. Like, does do the do the you know how many millimeters long are the are are the are, are are the apices of the on it like it, it gets kind of it gets kind of technical um and it's it's fun to do honestly <laughs> it's fun to do um but it, it it's it is it is it is time consuming and it is challenging um yeah some of the more antique mm-hmm uh dichotomous keys are 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 nice because they have really nice um plates mm-hmm. you know the the illustrated plates are really nice and um they're a little they can be a little less technical some of the contemporary ones are a little hard for me having no formal education in botany mm-hmm. um there are i like the other characters beyond the the base family uh, jason and and his friends the high school kids uh, Talk about creating them, and one of the things I like about this book is that there are so many like little um, places unto themselves. There's there's Martin's cabin in his little part of the woods. There's Anna's house. There's the little town, and this is important too. Uh, that you mentioned, it's at one point in the book, you, somebody a character says, "This is still a small town," and I think that's really interesting because I, to my mind, small towns have somewhat disappeared from this world. It's one giant suburb. Yeah, I had a, I had a strong sense of, of community growing up. Um, you know, Mendocino, uh, when I grew up, had a very, like, Mendocino against the world sort of feeling. Like, we, <laughs> you know, we wanted to secede. We had our own, we generated our own Mendocino County-based currency in order to keep money in the economy um, in the, you know, to keep it from being sucked out by really spondulix. <laughs> um, no, it's called seed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I, I I I we felt that very keenly. Um, I really enjoyed creating Jacob and Brett and trying to to render how they talk um, is surprising to me because. You know, a lot of people... They're really fun to read. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have felt this is super alien. Um, you know, very strange way for kids to talk. And it's it's not that far from how we used to talk. You know, we, I was I, I was a voracious reader and, and was always talking about books. And, and it, it, we were insufferable, I think, a lot of times. You know, it was like, <laughs> I was bad, but the people who were reading Finnegan's Wake were way worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you actually outwrote it to a certain extent here. I mean, that's this is a, a really amazing work. I, I there's also a certain I guess hermetic nature to this novel in terms of the the prose is constant, and it, it's really although it's beautiful and easy to read and fun to read. There's a kind of I guess sealed off from the rest of the world notion that goes on behind this book. Is that uh, again, part of it, you said Mendocino against the world. Yeah, I do. I do think. I do think. I think that a lot of people go to Mendocino to to. I think that they go there consciously. You know, mm-hmm. like a, like a lot of people go there to to live and and, and work there, 
um, because of that community. Like that's that's what they're drawn to, and um, I I I think that especially in I think that that dynamic can be amazing because it creates such a richness of community and sometimes such a sense of unity mm-hmm. for the coast. Um, but it can sometimes also create like a like a, a little bit of a note of isolationism because one, I think living in Mendocino can feel a little bit like the rest of the country has gone mad. <laughs> when, when, you know, when we're in particular political times, I think I think it can be a, a little, and and that's a sort of that's a complicated element, but I do think that just also because of its geographical remoteness in some ways, like it's just just a little bit of a drive to get there. Mm-hmm. It has this sort of idyllic, sheltered quality. I, I'm wondering. Um, how much of the you rewrote this did you when you were you're talking about your process of rewriting are you talking about like starting out a new file on a computer typing it out handwriting it yes so i just start from the from the blank page usually on the computer okay so you would start so you finish one whole draft of the book set that aside and then start again yeah read it read mm-hmm. it and see what i'd like read it and try and hold in my mind what I'd done right mm-hmm. and then rewrite it sort of pursuing the ideal version of the last draft being like this is these are the things that I'm doing right and like these are the things that I did too much of and so on mm, interesting uh, I, I like the the women characters who finish out the book um, so talk, talk about creating Ellen I, I, she's really an Anna. interest Anna yes Talk about creating Anna. Um, I, you know, um, Anna is a is a is a is a woman in 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 Turtle's life that was interesting to write because she is uh, a young person. Like to Turtle, she's an adult, but she's 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 young, and um, it's having been on sort of the other side of that and having worked with youth and 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 tried my best with youth um i felt you know a lot of compassion i was i was thinking the the someone remarked to me that that when when i had been in high school so i I went back and revisited the mendocino community high school where i went to high school and i saw a teacher who's very dear to me you know and i um and then someone remarked that when I when I was in high school, he was as old as I am now, <laughs> and I I was appalled at you know because like I um I think I think the burden of that of like uh, uh, of of just trying to do your best for for these kids you know um, when I was in trail crew my good friend always used to tell me like our the youth deserve our unimpeachable integrity. Like they, they, they demand that's what, that's what they deserve from you. And so, and so you get up in the morning and you, and you try and do your best, but sometimes the way forward isn't clear. Mm. I, I thought it was interesting. You said, and I, I, again, I had twigged to that till just <clears throat> this moment that 
as readers, we are able to distinguish between the different generations of Martin and and uh, Daniel and, and Anna and, and the other parents in the the other grown-ups, so to speak. But it's interesting that as we make the distinguish in distinguishing in our own reading brain, we also observe that Turtle doesn't doesn't make so much of a, a difference for her. They're either, you know, they're either kids who generally she could protect or adults who in general probably offer a threat. Yeah, she's a good, she's a good, she's an excellent reader of people, but um, you're right that she doesn't, there's a lot about adulthood that she doesn't, that she doesn't grasp. And another, like the, the inverse of that is I think it's hard because um, you read this novel and you, you know Turtle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to realize that that sh- it's like hard to bear in mind how unreadable she is to everyone else in her life, <laughs> because you have such access to her right. to her mind. Right. Yeah. But Turtle would be a very unreadable, very difficult, very challenging teenage girl to try and to try and to try and interact with. And I think I think there you know. Um, I think many readers voice to me that they're they're sort of outraged that that more people don't 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 see what's going on and, and, and but it it's it's simply a fact that it's like a it's like a problem of 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 this particular way of telling the book that 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 it's hard to bear in mind how inaccessible turtle would be like, right and and also how invisible teenage girls are to most of us and on the other hand, how much too she might have, she might have, the people around her might have well have twigged, but not in a way that she would notice or that she would pick up. And I think that you know you kind of the places where she has her own little blinders, you do a good job of putting those there in a subtle manner. Um, one of the things I think that. Uh, is interesting in this book is the levels of, I guess, um, concentrations of the past and present that coexist in that Turtle and her father live a life that you could have been lived anywhere from, you know, the 1930s to now. And then there are people like Anna and Jacob, you know, they're living more modern lives. And I think that's an interesting mix that, you know, this idea of we have of uniformity. It's this uh, world is not so uniform as we might like to think it is. I just visited a, a very dear friend um, who's living on a, like an 1890s cottage with an 1890s stove and cooking on, you know, cast iron and doing a lot of her own her own canning. There's um, there there you know people are seeking out lives that they that that are meaningful. And while there is a kind of coercion that oftentimes goes on everywhere else, like in the suburbs, it's very hard to to, to set your own life just because just because the system pressures you into a certain standard of living. Um, but in places like Mendocino, some people contrive their own circumstances, and, and left to their own devices, they they do so with tremendous artistry, but also with tremendous independence hmm. where will you take us next do you know what you're writing next 
Yeah, so I um, I have a novel that I'm working on next, and it's about it's a it's a buddy novel about climbers um, climbing a lot of white granite and a lot of sandstone towers in southern Utah, and so and so it's about it's about that, and it's it's also a lot about it's also a lot about depression because one of the characters is severely depressed. Something you have experience with, or something you researched, or just observed? Um, yeah, that's 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 interesting. Um, I uh, it feels like all of the all of my dearest friends are clinically depressed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, I, I have I, to say I, you don't seem depressed to me. It's not an issue that 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 um, I have, um, but. Uh, it, it, it is an issue that is affects some of the people who are closest and most meaningful to me. The new book by Gabriel Talent is my absolute darling. Thank you for joining me, Gabriel. Thank you very much for having me. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.